thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co-host, Joe Irado, and with me, as always, is a guy who could strangle you with a cordless phone, Mike <laughs> Vandebogard. Uh, thank you, Joe, and thank you to everybody tuning in to the show today. Just a couple updates. Uh, first, we'd like to give some Patreon shout-outs to our new Patreon supporters. So we've got Jill Bertanzetti, Bethany uh, Ballstead, and Amber Kibler, uh, or Kibler, Kibler. So, uh, <laughs> Gibbler, Gibbler, maybe that's a K though. So, uh, well, either way, thank you for supporting the show. Uh, every bit helps. And for those of you listening that aren't supporters of the show for as little as $1 a month, you can, uh, help support the show you love and listen to a bunch of cool, uh, Patreon only episodes and, uh, you get some cool swag depending on what level you sign up on. It's, uh, and you, you, Joe's holding up some, uh, there's some coasters, coasters and, and you know, magnets, magnets, and, and all kinds yeah, of all kinds cool, of cool stuff. All this, uh, this hat, mugs. Oh yeah, that's yeah. A, there we go. Um, so, yeah, so you can you know you're you know helping us out a little bit, and uh, it's a dollar. Uh, with inflation now, that's it's like fifty cents. <laughs> I mean, it's like nothing. <laughs> so, um, also, I would like to give a shout out to two different listeners who recommended this episode back in uh, fall of twenty one. So uh, thank you to Rachel Fast and Shannon F. I don't know her last name, but they both at different times recommended this episode. So thank you. And uh, anyone listening, if you have case suggestions, we love to hear them. Uh, probably over half of our episodes have been suggested by listeners. So Yeah, we've got lots of stuff in the backlog, but if there's people asking and we have it on the list, we're totally going to move it up to the front of the queue. So yeah, so just drop a, it in. Yeah, drop it in. A couple other uh, updates. Uh, we have a new FOIA reading room section on our website where we will be dropping different FOIA requests that we've applied for. And there's also a section called the deep end for all the crazy stuff out there that the government's released. Uh, so check it out. Um, it's at our website, locationsunknown.org. And finally, we are kind of running a funny little... I like that name, the deep end. The deep end. When you want to just go off the deep end. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we always take heat from people about how we pronounce names and stuff. So Joe, a few weeks ago, posted something on Facebook with a bunch of very Wisconsin names. <laughs> and he's challenging anybody listening to call our phone number, and which I don't have in front of me, of course, and uh, read through that list of names. And we will, in a couple weeks or a month or so, are going to play the different voicemails we get and kind of critique you. <laughs> yes. So, it's it's difficult. We've had people already comment on it. I tried getting Charlie Barnes. I tagged him twice <laughs> as the premier in like Wisconsin voiced guy. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. Uh, I do have the number. It is two zero eight three nine one six nine one three. So yes, check out uh, that post. We'll ta- We'll uh, I think it's still uh, 
pinned on our Facebook page, and uh, we'll post it in the show notes. So uh, read through it and give us a call, and we'll see how you do. Uh, other than that, I've got no more updates. All right, everybody, let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown. July 18th, 2007, an experienced hiker decided to take a family friend on a hike, a quick hike in the Bitterroot Mountains of western Montana. She knew the area well and had hiked this route many times. When she didn't return and her friend did, the search began. Join us this week as we investigate the strange disappearance of Barbara Bollock. Bear Creek Overlook in the Bitterroot Mountains is a four and a half mile in and out trail uh, up in Montana, and it's part of the National Forest. It's 1.5 million acres, so it's roughly the same size as Everglades National Park, which if you ever looked at that on the map of Florida, it's like half of Florida. The whole southern tip of it. It's a a big area. Uh, It was established in 1898, uh, but in 1805... The Corps of Discovery, led by Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, otherwise known as Lewis and Clark, and aided by Sacagawea of the Shoshone Shoshone Native American tribe, crossed the Bitterroot Range several times. Lewis first crossed the mountains at the Lemai Pass on August 12th, then returned across the pass to meet Clark. The inti- he sent him there first. He's like, yeah, you go check it out. Let me know how it is. The entire expedition then crossed the pass to the Salmon, uh, Salmon River Valley and the next month entered the Bitterroot Valley from the south via either Lost Trail Pass or Chief Joseph Pass. It then crossed Lolo Pass to the west. The mountains were crossed by Chicago, Milwaukee, St. Paul, and Pacific Railroads, also known as the Milwaukee Road, giving us a little shout-out hey. here in Milwaukee. <laughs> Uh, Sacagawea led the, the Lamy uh, Shoshone woman who, at age 16, helped Lewis and Clark uh, expedition in achieving their chartered mission objectives. By exploring the Louisiana Territory, Sacagawea traveled with the expedition thousands of miles from North Dakota to the Pacific Ocean, helping to establish, establish cultural contacts with Native American populations and contributing to the expedition's knowledge of natural history in different regions. Basically, they wouldn't have made it without her. Yeah, and I actually wanted, I put that little bit of very brief history of who she was in there, mainly for, you know, our foreign listeners who may not have any clue who she was. I feel Um, like with foreign education, they probably do. Yeah, probably. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, she played a very important role in the discovery of the West. Yeah, Lewis and Clark gets all the credit, but she basically... Kept them alive as yeah, they went through I because mean, she understood how to live off the land. She made contact with the other tribes and helped navigate through uncharted territory. Yeah, without her, I, I don't know that the expedition would have succeeded. Yeah, so especially because, like, was it Lewis was suicidal, like, badly? He, like, I killed himself remember. when he came back. Like, he, like, didn't even want to go. 
So yeah, I, I watched I watched that whole episode in Drunk History, which is fun because it's like <laughs> seems like it'd be a bad source, but yeah. they actually teach you the real stuff. Uh, so the National American Women's Suffrage Association of the early 20th century adopted her as a symbol of women's worth and independence, erecting several statues and plaques in her memory and doing much to recount her accomplishments. We also have a, a coin in the U.S. with her on it. Yes, the, it's uh, a dollar coin. Sacagawea dollars. Yep. So Was it the, was she, like it's only been her, right? They didn't change it? Well, did it, did not it start on that one. I'm saying I mean, on, that, on that dollar coin. Do they have other dollar coins or is it only? Uh, Susan B. Anthony is on a coin. I thought that. They have some of those. But it's not a dollar, is it? Honestly, I can't remember now. Okay. Yeah, the 50 cent piece, that's JFK, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll look that up when you're talking later or I'll <laughs> <Okay>. forget. <laughs> so here's some interesting facts about Montana. Montana has a very low population density of all the states, 56 counties, 46 counties have an average population of just six people or less per square mile. Not very many. That is not very many. This is why these counties are considered frontier counties. Montana has a large population of grizzly bears. <laughs> this is probably why the grizzly bear is the state animal of Montana. An estimated 1,800 grizzly bears are thought to be alive today. Approximately 10,000 white pelicans migrate from the Gulf of Mexico to Medicine Lake, Montana every spring. These birds are striking because they have a wingspan of about nine feet. Huge. That is huge. That's like really huge. Yeah. I'm trying to, th- that's like the size of like a story of a building. Yeah. I mean, think of uh, Giannis, the uh, star basketball player in the Milwaukee Bucks. I believe his wingspan is like in the seven feet. It's however tall he is. Yeah. Generally. So probably about seven feet. So yeah. This bird is even two feet longer two, of a wingspan. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. And now you just said one of the words I put in the thing. So oh, they yeah. Know, they, they have to say his last name, though. Antetokounmpo. You can't give them ah, the answers. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you practiced that. Yes. The largest snowflake ever observed was seen in Fort Keogh, Montana. I said that wrong. The snowflake had an incredible diameter of 15 inches. <laughs> that seems hilarious. Like, did they document that? I I don't think so. Or is it like they're just kind of trusting some guy? Like, yeah, hey, I saw a snowflake up there about 15 inches. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I guess that's it. That's the largest one. One of the largest steer in the world history rests in the O'Fallon Museum in Montana. The steer was about six feet tall and weighed an impressive 3,980 pounds. I was wondering if they were going to say this was observed also. Yeah, right. <laughs> just uh, all, all the ranchers like, yeah, I had the biggest steer. Yeah. <laughs> it's about 10 feet tall, almost 4,000 pounds. All right. Climate. Our friends at the Copen Climate Classification System says that Montana's climate is identified as a cold, semi-arid steppe climate. Cold, semi-arid climates usually feature warm to hot, dry summers, though their summers are typically not quite as hot as those of the hot, semi-arid climates. Unlike hot, semi-arid climates, areas with cold, semi-arid climates tend to have a cold and possibly freezing winter. These areas usually see some snowfall during winter, though the snowfall is much lower than at similar latitudes with more humid climates. So it's just kind of dry. Yeah. Which in the winter is terrible. Yeah. If you, you have a humid winter, it feels warmer. If it's cold, it just like... It gets your, dry here in the winter. Your skin feels like it's tearing when you yeah. move. Yeah. It's, yeah. Why do we live here? I don't know. We need to move. <laughs> yeah, like it literally like you'll move and you'll be like, oh, I think my skin tore. <laughs> Forget, And that's like six months out of the year. Yeah. All right. It's starting to get warm, so I don't care now. I forget about it. Yeah. 
Uh, the terrain, the Bitterroot Range is a mountain range and a sub-range of the Rocky Mountains that runs along the border of Montana and Idaho in the northwestern United States. The range spans an area of 24,200 square miles and is named after the Bitterroot, a small pink flower that is the state flower of Montana. I wonder if it's bitter. I think its roots are. <laughs> Some of the animals present, uh, mule deer, White-tailed deer, elk, bighorn sheep, mountain goats, gophers, black bears, mountain lions, moose, and the grizzly bear. Uh, Some of the terrain, low-hanging branches of variable terrains make running unsafe, and leaves can hide slippery areas underneath. Uh, This one, as I think the all-trail stated, and I'll I'll throw that up on the screen while we're doing this. Yeah, this specific trail was... um, It's rated moderate. Moderate. If you can see the tag, for those that aren't watching, it's it's tagged as kid-friendly, and I was reading a lot of the reviews, and they're saying that uh, it's not too difficult to do. Yeah, the area in general, though, I know is pretty rugged and remote, so this trail obviously is a very accessible trail for people. Yeah. It looks like a lot of switchbacks. Um, when I pulled up the satellite, it looked like it was mostly treed, though. Like, there wasn't a lot exposed. Yeah. Um, so the tree line of Montana ranges from 6,500 uh, to 7,200 feet. Uh, northwestern Montana, it's 8,100 to 8,800 feet. Uh, so you could find yourself a little bit above the tree line, pretty much, I think, at the overlook. But if you look at the map here, for those that are watching, it's mostly in the tree line. So there's a lot of cover. Yeah, and, like... Some of the some of the peaks in the area do get to, you know, the 10,000 feet range, so you could find yourself, you know, with no shelter. Oh, sure. Depending on um, what weather you run into, so. Yeah, and like anywhere else, especially in Montana with all the mountains, weather can change quickly, so you have to look for potential approaching storms. You want to not be on the summit after noon. Yeah. Uh, most storms come in afternoon, so if it's going to rain, it usually starts around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and it just gets worse from there. Yep. Uh, so you avoid the bare tops, exposed places, uh, lone trees. Uh, try not to cross streams and stuff like that. Yeah, if you're uh, if you're on a peak and it's starting to thunder and lightning, and you see one lone tree in the distance, I would uh, not go to that. <laughs> yeah, don't go to the lightning <laughs> rod for the mountain. Yeah, because <laughs> there's two of them on a mountain: the lone tree and the peak. Honestly, if you have no ability to get off the peak before the storm comes in, your best bet is to get as flat as you can to the ground. Yes. And uh, hope to God you don't get struck by lightning. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, you hope it hits you in the butt and goes out your leg. That's what they say. Like, sometimes in the middle of the field, you stand over, put your head between your legs. Yeah. Because lightning's going to hit you and go to ground. So you want it to hit you in the butt and go down your leg, and then it misses all your vital organs. That's, That's like a real advice I've heard before. Good advice. Yeah. So hope I never have to put that into practice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I'm never in the situation where I stick my butt up in the air because I'm expecting to be struck by lightning. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, travel with a companion because of the remoteness. This is something we always recommend. Obviously, some people can't and don't want to do it, but if you can, bring a friend. Uh, especially if you're entering the remote area in a group, you should have a minimum of four people. That way, if one person gets hurt, someone can stay with them while other two people go for help. Uh, <clears throat> group trips should be designed for the weakest member of the group. So these are some tips about if you're going to go because I think we had a call. A bunch of people really expressed uh, thankfulness of the safety tips we gave. Yeah. So if you're not a patron member, you would have heard the the call-in show. Yeah. Uh, my favorite was the cowboy who called in who just was like, yee-haw! Yeah. Like, that was actually pretty good. No, this is actually really good advice. Yes. And obviously – I don't know that we've ever factored this in on our, any of our trips, but uh, depending on where you're going, you really should plan your trip on the least skilled person that's going because 
you know, three of you could be mountain climbers and then you have one rookie and they're going to, at a minimum, slow you down, but at a, you know... Oh, if you get into climbing, it's dangerous. That's, yeah, it could be that's dangerous, what I had happen depending when on we what went you're doing. To, when I was trying to do that, uh, the razor's edge, yeah. on that one peak, and it was avalanche time, and one guy did not know what he was doing, and we were like, nope, okay, we have all the right gear, but no, we yeah, can't. if it's three people, you can't have one of them potentially get really hurt. And the other problem, too, is I, I've always said this before on, you know, different shows, is... You really, when you're hiking in alpine environments and, you know, on cliffs and loose gravel and stuff, you really got to be mindful of every step you're taking and your, your surroundings. If you're focusing on one of your, you know, companions in your group that's struggling, that's going to take your focus off of, you know, where you're stepping, yeah. your surroundings, and it just raises the risk of something happening um, even more. So uh, just good advice. Yeah, like every step you take, every <laughs> every move you make. <laughs> I'll be watching you. <laughs> Who sang that? I, I don't know. I think it was like Sting. No, I think it was the Police. That I think was, it's that, called Every Step You Take. The Police. The lead singer was Sting. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. See, that's I. I like know the band. I did not know that. <laughs> I think so. I'm or not we're, we're going to get yelled at for that. We're going to get yelled at for yeah. if that's wrong. The everything. I could see that though. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, carry a first aid kit if you can, even a small one with some bandages and gauze and stuff, and learn how to identify symptoms of heat exhaustion, heat stroke, hypothermia, dehydration, and what you should do if you have any of those things, uh, especially even altitude sickness. Like, what's the best case scenario? It's not difficult. You know, one of the things I bought, Mike, uh, that is really helpful, I have a bandana for this. Yeah. The bandana has all first aid all over it. So, like, if you're going to have gear, try and incorporate stuff like that in your gear. So, like, the bandana I carry yeah. has, like, how to use the bandana, like, splint a break, like, how to treat a wound. It's all tons of good information on there. Yeah, and all of these symptoms, uh, or, you know, heat exhaustion, heat stroke, all of these could be deadly. But they're also easily treated if you catch Very it early and treat. know the signs. So, yeah. um, you know, just the more rugged a remote and high you're going on your trip, you should you know, have some knowledge of these conditions just, you know, in your back pocket. Yep. Uh, so difficulty, we said this before, it's a moderate rating, uh, was even tagged as kid-friendly uh, on the all-trails map. Um, people rated it pretty high, 4.8, and they said they loved it. Um, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, all the ratings were pretty good, saying how awesome it was. I didn't pick any out that gave too much more information. It seemed like a very basic trail, and if you can see on this bottom part, I love this. It shows the elevation gain. Yeah. It's very smooth grade. It's like no more than 11% going up, and then it's obviously the same going back because it's an in and out. So it's, yeah. it's not too crazy. It seems like there's a lot of switchbacks, but your elevation gain isn't nuts. So it's looks pretty cool. Yeah, it looks cool. Doesn't not going to be too difficult to do. Um, Let's see here. Uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's it's a pretty straightforward path. They said yeah. it's about two hours and two and a half hours roughly to go there and back. Obviously if you're staying to look around, it'd be longer, but the yeah. actual moving time is about two and a half hours. So not too crazy. No. So let's uh, learn about Barbara. Yeah. So, um, Bar her name was Barbara, uh, Bollock, uh, date of birth. Bollocks. Bollocks. Barbara Bollock. Her date of birth was, uh, August 25th, 1951. She, like we said, went missing on, July 18th of 2007. She's a female, aged 55. She was five, foot, uh, five feet tall and weighed 115 pounds. She had red hair, brown eyes. She wore uh, you know, eyeglasses. Uh, both ears were pierced. 
Uh, the clothing she was last seen in was a pastel-colored shirt, tan shorts, <clears throat> a uh, black day pack, and she also, in that backpack, had a three fifty seven Magnum pistol. So, Oh, so she knew the area. I mean, a lot of people that hike in Montana carry big guns for the bears. Yeah, so, the, you know, that's interesting. Um, a lot of tourists that come out to there aren't going to have, you know, firearms on them. But uh, yeah. Barbara lived, you know, within uh, 20 miles of this trail, so... Most people live out there always are carrying at least a handgun. Um, yeah, every every local I've run into on the trails got like, and they usually have really cool like cowboy oh, cowboy style like chest mounted holsters yeah. for them and stuff. Um, so I don't know much about what she did for an occupation. Um, her personality, based on everything I read, sounded like she was a very adventurous woman. She loved the outdoors, hiked a lot. Um, so she, like we said, she was very familiar with this area. She, uh, his, you know, friends and family said she was a very experienced hiker. <clears throat> Based on, we don't know what she had in her day pack, but um, I'm sure she probably had enough gear to, uh, like we always say, you know, potentially survive a night in the wilderness. Um, so her husband also said that uh, she would never take stupid risks. She uh, would never venture far off the trail. And she wasn't a fan of heights, so she would never get too close to a ledge. So that's uh, good to know. And here is a just a, a couple people that are involved in this case. I know we in the beginning we used to list out the different names of people involved, which is helpful for listeners. We kind of got away from that. So um, Carl uh, Bollock is the husband of Barbara, and he's a retired uh, USAF uh, colonel. Which okay. is kind of cool. He sadly died in November on November. Sorry, died on November second of twenty twenty one. Interesting little note about his obituary, which I guess his he got remarried after Barbara went missing, and in his obituary, his new wife didn't didn't leave any mention of Barbara. So I guess probably not too surprising. Yeah, it was um, a pretty long time ago. Yeah. So Jim uh, Remaker, I might be saying that yeah, saying that wrong. Raymaker. Ramaker, Ramaker. We'll say Jim Ramaker. Uh, he was a family <laughs> friend and the last person to see Barbara, and they were both hiking together. Uh, Donna Biles was the a cousin to Carl and was Jim Ramaker's girlfriend. Uh, Perry Johnson will come up towards the end of my timeline. He was the lead invest- investigator on her disappearance for the Rivali County Sheriff's Department. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, as many of you know, I got into kickboxing and was feeling slow and sluggish on training days. I was taking more supplements than I could count, and nothing was helping. One of the fighters at my gym recommended Athletic Greens AG1 Daily Health Drink, and I've never felt better. One scoop of AG1 in the morning has me ready to take on Mike Tyson by the time I get to the gym. I don't know about that. (laughs) One serving of AG1 contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, probiotics, excuse me, and adaptogens that support better sleep, quality, recovery, mental clarity, and alertness. All things very important in the world of combat fighting. Best of all, it costs less than $3 a day, which from my own experience is cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. For less than a cup of Starbucks, you can make an investment in your own health that I can personally vouch for. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. 
No need for a million different pills and supplements to, to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now, I'm glad they came on because I do use it every day. That is yeah. no lie. I started using that, and it legitimately works really good. Yeah. I train at Rufus Sport. Shout out to Rufus Sport. Uh, and it's it's actually – it doesn't taste too bad either. Like a lot of those, when you mix them with water, it's got like a – it's got a – a different taste to it, but I yeah. take it every day. It doesn't, you know, I don't gag when I drink it. You know, some of that stuff's bad. I, yeah. I love the stuff. It works great. It's totally worth it. Yeah. Well, thank you to uh, Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode. And we will put a copy of um, that last paragraph in our show notes. So all of our listeners can go out there and get their uh, free vitamin D and free uh, five free travel packs. Yeah. And if you do it, it makes it look good and uh, they'll keep sponsoring the show and that it helps us grow and, and move on. So go out and visit that uh, athleticgreens.com forward slash emerging. And Mike said it'll be in the notes too, in case you can't spell any of that. So, all right, back to the timeline. So our timeline starts July 18th, 2007 in the morning between 8.30 and 9 a.m. Uh, Barbara had volunteered to take uh, their friend, uh, of her husband, Carl. Let me start that over again. Okay. I, I butchered that. Okay. <laughs> um, Barbara volunteered to take a friend of her husband, Carl, uh, Jim Ramaker, uh, who is age 58 from California, on a relatively easy hike up to the overlook in the Bitterroot Mountains. Carl's cousin, cousin uh, the, who's a female, was feeling the effects of one too many drinks from the night before, and she decided she didn't want to go hiking that day. So Carl was still sleeping when Barbara came and told him, uh, she and Jim were going uh, hiking to the Overlook. So the last thing Carl told Barbara uh, before she left was to not worry about dinner, that he'd take care of it. So the road leading up to the Bear Creek Trailhead was closed that day for repairs when they arrived. So they ended up parking a short distance away and had to walk through the construction zone to get to the trail. Uh, once they reached the trail, they completed the 2.7-mile hike to the scenic Overlook located at the top of the trail. So now let's fast forward uh, to around 11 a.m. on the same day. So Jim and Barbara had sat down at the top, and they're having a snack and kind of, you know, taking in the sights and scenes. Um, they, they ended up seeing two other hikers that morning and exchanged pleasantries. Um, who were, They were already at the Overlook, and they had a dog with them. Uh, then they spent about 30 minutes kind of just simply enjoying the view, taking it in. Um, obviously they're, they're not like us when they're hiking, they're out there for a, you know, a pleasure hike, not one yeah. of our hikes where we're trying to kick the crap out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that sounds about right. Yeah. So around 1130 AM, they decided to start heading back down the trail. Jim stopped briefly to get one final look at the, the view he estimated that Barbara was probably about 20 or 30 feet in front of him uh, at that time. When Jim turned back around, now this is very strange, and when we get into theories, I've got all kinds of theories on this case. Um, but So Jim turned back around to continue down the trail, maybe 45 seconds. Barbara was gone. No sight of her. And so, so she was still at the overlook. No, so they, uh, <clears throat> they were starting to head back down. Okay, so they're on their way down from the On their the way down. Okay. And Jim 
Now, this is all alleged because no one else was there. Jim said he briefly stopped to take in one final look at the view, and Barbara was about 20 or 30 feet ahead of him. And when he turned around to kind of start walking back down, she was gone. That's, that's wild. Yeah, and she said, or he said that it was maybe no more than 45 seconds. So very, very bizarre. So um, Jim then continued walking further down the trail, assuming that he would soon run into Barbara um, once he got to the bottom, but he was unable to locate her. So uh, Jim and Barbara had been on a part of the trail that was covered in very loose uh, shale rock that crunched really loud when you walked. We've hiked on that kind of stuff before. Yes. You, could hear, you could hear people coming from pretty far away on that stuff. Yeah, I'm guessing you mentioned that because it's like, okay, if she's somewhere else, I'd hear her walking yeah. around. So um, he, uh, he ended up taking a whistle out, and he tried to use the whistle to attack, uh, attract Barbara's attention. No response. Uh, confused, he continued the downward trek, hoping that he would find uh, Barbara somewhere along the trail. And, of course... Um, there was no sign of her. So now it's about midday. Um, I don't have a specific time for the next uh, couple of bullet points, but um, Jim reached the trailhead without finding any sign of Barbara. So at this point, he's he doesn't know what to do. So he approached the construction site, which now has workers on it, and asked the workers if they had seen Barbara exit the trail. They had not. Um, so... The Forest Service crew was busy digging up the roadway when a pair of young men in their early 20s came strolling into the work site. Uh, one of the men was considerably darker skinned than the other. So I'm jumping back a little bit in the morning. So we have verification from the construction workers that the two men that Jim and Barbara saw at the top of the overlook are real. So those two guys were there. Okay. Um, so... They went on to say that by the time the crew arrived for that day, there was already a pair of vehicles parked at the road closure sign. So we've got Jim's vehicle that Jim and Barbara came in uh, and a light-colored older SUV that could have been a Chevrolet Blazer with Missoula County license plates. So they're assuming that the other car was belonging to the two gentlemen <clears throat> that went through the construction site and eventually met up with Jim and Barbara at the top. Okay. <clears throat> so... Like I said, the workers were called uh, to Jim, seeing the two young men accompanied by a black and white dog, <clears throat> but not Barbara. The construction workers were able to describe these two guys, and they actually had, um, in our show notes show, I've got a kind of, they, they put, like, not a wanted sign, but they put a, uh, they like, trying to locate a witness sign. Okay. In, like a person of interest? Yeah, not even thing. a person of interest. Like, they just really wanted to find these two guys to just kind of try to get more information <clears throat> on the uh, the case. So the construction workers actually had pretty good descriptions of the gentlemen. They were well-tanned, average-fit young guys. Uh, they walked right through the construction site. They stopped and talked to the construction guys for a bit. The crew remembered a black collie-like dog with uh, white markings that enjoyed a few moments in the creek. Um, since that morning was already turning pretty hot. Then, and for those watching the video, I, put, I got it up on the screen. Yeah. So uh, one of the guys in his early 20s, they don't have a, like a sketch of him, but um, the other guy. Oh, so he doesn't look like that? Uh, just a round just circle. Just a circle. With a question question mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the other guy, uh, they have a pretty good sketch of him, um, and they actually have a picture of a, 
an SUV similar to what they thought was parked there and a dog similar to what they had. So okay. um, pretty interesting. I don't think we've ever seen like a wanted witness sign before. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't think we've seen that. No, so this is the first time we've seen it on one of our cases. I'm sure they've done it before. Yeah. Um, so one of the construction workers ended up escorting Jim through the construction zone to his car so he could check to see if Barbara had somehow made it to the car without being noticed, but she wasn't there and there wasn't any sign of her being there that morning. Uh, so it would, you know, Jim went on to say that it was hard to believe that Barbara had gotten lost on a trail that she knew so well. Uh, he was convinced that he must have just missed her. He hiked back to the trailhead and retraced the path they had taken to the scenic overlook. And there was absolutely no sign of her anywhere along the trail when he went back, um, up the trail. So, so I couldn't find it when I was, when you were talking, that's what I was scrolling through. I was looking yeah. at the all trails comments. Um, but I read, cause I read a ton of them earlier today just to get an idea of what the trail was like. Yeah. A lot of them talked about how well groomed the trail was. Okay. So I definitely don't think you would get lost on it. There yeah, are it's several comments of like, cause it, sometimes when you get like these trails that have tons of trees and stuff in them, yeah. uh, you can have some overgrowth. You could kind of maybe get lost. And yeah. uh, there's m- more than a few that talked about how well-groomed it was and how easy it was to get up and back. Okay. So I want to throw that out there in case people are like, hey, maybe she went off. Because sometimes, I think we did that case in that kid who we think may- was skitching, uh, skipping switchbacks. Yeah. And if you do that, you can sometimes get lost. Yep. Um, I doubt she was doing that, and it was well-groomed. No, so. and her husband made the comment that uh, she never really veered off trail which is something Joe and I always tell people to, you know, not to do. Like you don't want to, you don't want to just, A, it destroys the natural environment and B, it's not, you know, the safest thing to do. You don't, the trail's there for a reason because it's groomed and it's going to keep you safe. You go off trail, you don't know what terrain you're walking on. Um, It's very easy to get turned around in, you know, thick forests. So um, yeah, her husband said she never would do that. So um, I think it's safe to assume that she probably stayed on the trail. Uh, so, like we said, Jim had gone back up the trail to see if there was any sign of her. He didn't see that. So he made his way back down to the construction zone and told the construction workers that he needed help as you know, because he still couldn't find Barbara. So one of the construction workers let him use his phone so he could uh, call and report Barbara missing. So now it is noon. So we're kind of – there's dual, a little bit of dual timelines here. So now we are back – with Carl at their house. So it's noon on the 18th and Carl's cousin is starting to get a bit antsy that Barbara and Jim hadn't returned. Cause like we said, this is about a two hour trail and they were just going to go up to the overlook, come back and then come home. And they had left at like eight 30 in the morning. I believe when I looked it up, it's about a 44 minute drive. So you get, you leave it, say you left at nine, you get there at nine 45 you know, two hour, I mean, it's very possible you're back by lunchtime. Yeah. You know, perfect scenario. So, you know, Carl's cousin's getting getting antsy that they haven't returned. However, Carl, at this point, was never concerned. Um, he remembered, you know, his wife was an avid hiker. She kept herself fit by running, riding, and taking long walks into the mountains. And... You know, he said as an added bit of insurance, she had her three fifty seven Magnum on her. So not only is she um, keep going. Sorry. Oh yeah. I was gonna make a comment and then I stopped and I saw it made you hesitate. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, and, and 
I'm, I, it sounds like she probably knew how to use the gun, too. Yeah, I was going to say she seems like she knew, knew what she was doing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people that live out in the western states, like Montana, Idaho, um, they're all very proficient in firearms. and Well, uh, just the area, too. You kind of have to be. Yeah, I mean, you got to think about, too, if you live way out in the middle of nowhere and something's happening on your property to you or your property, you know, you can call 911, but it might take them an hour to get there. Sure. You've got to be able to protect yourself. So I think it's important to know that she had this gun with her so uh, she could protect herself from another an animal attack, but she could also theoretically protect herself from a human attacking her. Yeah, absolutely. So that that makes this even more perplexing. Uh, and we'll get in. I really want to get the theories, so I should breeze through the timeline because I think okay. there's a lot of really cool theory, not cool, but interesting theories on what happened. Okay. Um, so fast forward to about one thirty in the afternoon. Now, Carl's cousin now is getting very scared that Barbara and Jim haven't returned yet, and uh, Carl continued to try to calm her down and uh, reassure that you know Barbara is very proficient in the wilderness, but. Another hour passed, and Carl's cousin was like, you've got to call somebody and report her missing. This is too long. And sure enough, out of the blue, at 2.30, roughly 2.30, a Forest Service law enforcement agent uh, officer called Carl to inform her that his wife, Barbara, had been reported missing. Jeez, that's going to be so terrible. Like, you're already nerve-wracked. and Yeah. Then- you just kind of get slammed with the real the reality that it's happening. It's almost like his, you know, Carl's cousin kind of like felt something was wrong all yeah. morning. Like yeah. she was antsy, and you know, I believe in that stuff. Like yeah, people I mean, with close connections, just like something feels off the whole time. And yeah. So, um, since the Bear Creek Overlook Trail is located within the Bitterroot National Forest, the case was initially handled by the U.S. Forest Service Rangers, and I only put that in there because well, we have taken heat before about just kind of nonchalantly glossing over who manages what areas. Oh, we have. You remember I, that? I, I haven't. Oh, no. Yeah. there was. We did a case where it was like right on the border of a national park and a national forest, and we got the agency wrong, and oh. we, someone actually got mad. <laughs> so, Do they cancel their Patreon over it? <laughs> no. I don't We've think. had people cancel over getting information like that wrong. So That's all right. <laughs> I don't remember that one. <laughs> yeah, it was It was early on. Yeah. Uh, so Carl told the officer that he would meet him at the Bear Creek Trailhead, uh, which was about a 20, uh, my, the, one of the articles I read said 20-mile drive uh, from their house. So um, the search for Barbara pretty much kicked off pretty soon, like that afternoon, and it, it continued into the night, and uh, – Carl actually was waiting at the trailhead entrance until midnight when police finally convinced him to to go home and get some rest. He just didn't want to leave in case they found something. So the search went for roughly two weeks from, this is a rough estimate on dates, July 18th to August 1st of 2007. Um, And it was a very, you know, a physical search. They deployed, you know, the sheriff's department deployed search teams, brought in highly trained dogs, uh, called in a high-tech infrared helicopter to scour the area. Um, Volunteers and professional search and rescue groups had completed grid searches of the entire area. We've gone over how this is done in previous episodes, but basically they tie off squares of the forest with, um, you know, bright colored, uh, like, surveyor. yeah. They, like they gridded out like a map almost. Gridded out, like, yeah. Hey, yeah, this square has been searched. Yep. 
what's crazy is like it's 2007, so I'm trying to think of like the technological advancements at the time. So they like had infrared and helicopters. Cell phones were just kind of starting to become mainstream. They were pretty mainstream by 2007. 2007? Yeah. Like everybody. I know, but I'm just saying. Like I'm I had to think. one. Yeah? Oh, you did? I mean, iPhones came out around then. Oh. I, know, I was poor. <laughs> I didn't have anything. <laughs> but uh, no, I think the only thing that probably is different from then to now is the use of drones. I don't think there were any there drones, drones in use in 2007. Yeah, it's the year my daughter was born, my first <laughs> kid. Uh, so 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we had cell phones then. Yeah. I was thinking it was like earlier, like I was almost in high school, and then I forgot that I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they uh, they did a very thorough search. In all, thousands of search hours were logged by the Revali County and Missoula County search and rescue teams, volunteers, law enforcement, life flight, uh, care flight, uh, the Mo- Montana Air National Guard, the Forest Service, and like we said, that helicopter is actually provided by Homeland Security. So... They had a lot of equipment out in the field, and I'll get into some law enforcement comments a little bit later, but this forest area where they were hiking is not that dense. So, yeah, you can see the ground a lot through those, the satellite and the trees. You can see, like, it seems – I'll pull it up on the screen. Yeah. But for those that are just listening, like, it's forested on the side of the mountain, but, like, it's uh, thinning. It's yeah. like a man slowly thinning his hair. Like, you can start seeing a lot of the scalp through. Like, there's some lush areas, yeah. but there's some areas where it's like, hey, dude, it might be time just to shave. Yeah. <laughs> Do the Jason Statham. Exactly, yeah. Just, yeah. You, you're, you're losing it anyway. Just let it go. Um, yeah, especially up where they said they're already heading down. Like, towards the yeah. top, it gets real sparse. But, yeah, so. It's the, not too, yeah, it's definitely not thick. The lead investigator for the case makes, you know, definitely calls out the fact that this isn't like a a super thick forest like some of the other cases we've done in like the Pacific Northwest where it's incredibly thick to uh, hike through. Yeah, and there aren't like huge drop-offs or anything like that. It's very like uh it reminds me when we were in Montana we went across Flat Top Mountain. Yeah. Like you almost didn't know you were climbing a mountain. It was just so wide open. Yeah, and I mean you can see in this map that there are very rugged parts of this area but not not the where the trail is. Yeah. yeah. So uh, in all, there were over 19 missions uh, in this area looking for. Um, they searched all uh, the trails in the surrounding areas on both sides of the Bitterroot Valley. And Barbara is still classified as a missing person. So uh, three weeks after Barbara went missing, the Rivali County Sheriff's Office announced that uh, it was offering a cash reward for any information leading to her whereabouts. Uh, although a number of tips were called in, um, uh, including several from people who believe Barbara had been abducted by a phantom mountain man, uh, none of them brought investigators any closer to finding Barbara. No one thought she was absorbed into the mountain? By the uh, the rock people? Yes. Um no. No, just a phantom mountain man? Honestly, Joe, when we get into theories, I think by the end of this... That won't it, seem so funny anymore? It might be plausible. <laughs> I mean, this okay. one... There's, hey, that rock one? I was <laughs> yeah. like, I'm starting to believe rock people. I I mean, there's really two ways this can go. I won't get into it just yet, but... All right, fin- just, just fin- We're getting closer. Yeah, get, We're getting get closer. I'm starting to get excited, too. I um, understand why you want to rush. So I just got some statements from the... So Perry Johnson, the lead investigator on this disappearance... He had a couple of statements at the end of this search. 
Uh, so, you know, I'm going to read verbatim kind of what he said. So his first statement was, this is a really tough one for me, Johnson said. It's outside of my scope of experience. I haven't been able to find anyone else who's had a similar experience. We're talking about a minute, and then you look back and she's gone. He goes on to say, this area is, isn't tightly timbered, and there is a lot of loose shale and rock around it. It's hard to creep quietly across that loose shale rock, Johnson said. You'd make some noise. Just the fact that someone simply disappears like that is cause for concern. He says, I just don't have that life experience. He said, how could that possibly happen? Um, so Johnson goes on to say that he believes uh, a key to this case lies in identifying the two young men that were hiking that trail that day. Uh, but they go on to say, and I think this is important to to mention, they stress that the men were not considered suspects in her disappearance they were considered a potential witness, and detectives wanted to talk to them about what they might have seen that day. And an interesting thing, um, over this period of time, that I, around the 18th, there was a marathon going on in the area. So um, one of the theories why those two guys were even out there was because they were in the area to run the marathon, and in their off time, they were going to go do some hiking and based on the reports, it's a really cool, beautiful hike. So yeah. they probably would have been recommended, like, oh, go up to Bear creek trail because yep. it's great overlook yeah and they were you know young fit guys so you could see them you know running in the marathon um so other than jim those two guys were the only people who could you know verify that barbara had even been there that day yeah. so the construction workers had never seen it and they had a dog and they had a dog dog people are already a little bit better than not dog people yeah. <laughs> and there goes half our audience yeah. <laughs> there goes the cat people yep there goes all the cat people <laughs> uh so you know, he went on to say that he assumed those two guys were local because of their Missoula license plates and the fact that they're hiking on a Wednesday morning. Um, Jim, uh, since the disappearance, Jim returned to California but continued to cooperate with the investigation. Um, he's So they didn't think he had anything to do with it? No, he was not a suspect. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, and, uh, Johnson goes on to say that he's been very cooperative, returned all of their calls. He's stayed in contact with us until something happens. We find Barbara or find her body. I think he's just a witness. So that was a direct comment from the lead investigator. And he goes, I want to be fair to Jim. Uh, There's no evidence he did anything to Barbara. So, um, And also, uh, I want to make note that Jim was a trusted family acquaintance, according to Barbara's uh, husband, Carl, and was the last person to see Barbara. So... um, F- I, I don't think that could mean anything. I mean, usually weird crimes like happen with people that are close to the person. So I, I'm I'm just one interesting tidbit here before we start into theories. And I got this from a forum that linked to a news article that obviously the article now doesn't work. So take it with a grain of salt. I have not been able to verify. Did it. they cite the article or did they copy and paste from the article in the they post? copied and pasted this snippet from an article that when I click to it, it, it gives you like the 404 screen. Like okay, it, so we're assuming he copied it directly, but there's a potential that the user could have changed some words. Yeah. That's our disclaimer. Yeah. But assuming he copied from the article directly, go, yeah, on, go so ahead. Yeah, so according to this news article that I the it doesn't work anymore because it was, what, 15 years ago? Yeah. Uh, one of the SAR members on the first mission in there claims that he was asked and told by the sheriff to stop his search for Barbara, and when he refused, was fired. So uh, that's all I have. I mean, 
I can't ver- I have not verified yeah. that in any other news article of about this case. Um, just to add a little conspiracy. Well, conspiracy, but also as someone who's employed people. Yeah. I could be like, okay, is he telling his story? Because I know we've had to like get rid of some bad employees that were like very bad. And then yeah. they go on like Glassdoor and write a review. And then you can't really comment on it. And what they say is not 100%. So like, yeah. was this guy like a jerk and terrible at it? And then they fired him and he's like, I wanted to keep doing it. And I thought like, or maybe yeah. he like, I... I, I, again, it could be that it's a conspiracy too. I'm just trying to throw some shade on the other side to say, you know, what if he's just a bad person? Like he did a bad job and they kicked him off. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Go on. Sorry. So, I mean, that is really the end of the timeline. Um, it's a very puzzling disappearance. And I think your theories can go one of two directions. I think, and I'll get into kind of what the official theories are and then kind of what family and friends and the broader internet thinks. Okay. Um, I think you could go into two, two realms of what happened. One, Jim or those two guys are directly involved in her disappearance. Foul play with literally the only people that saw her. That's where my mind immediately goes. Yeah. If I'm being honest. The other route you can go is something very sudden happened to her on the trail that caused her to uh, go off the trail, you know, within 45 seconds of Jim seeing her. So uh, getting into what law enforcement, these are just questions they raised. Um, One of their biggest questions was, was she ever even up on the mountain? There is no one else other than Jim who claims she was there because they can't find, they haven't been able to talk to the two guys and the construction workers never saw her there. Um, so, you know, that's a good, you know, did something happen to her before she got to the mountain? And this would go back to the foul play thing that Jim was involved. Something happened to her and Jim on the way there. He covered it up and then he hiked up the mountain and came back down to make it look like, like she went missing. But, the funny thing about that is his, you know, what happened to her? Like I looked away for 45 seconds and looked back and she's gone. Like that sounds just too unbelievable. I mean, yeah. why would you, if you killed somebody and we're trying to cover it up, why would you say that? That well, makes you seem guilty. Now, hold on. <laughs> we just had a case where that basically occurred. Uh, the, the marathon runner. No, the little boy in oh. Colorado. Bizup? Yeah, Bobby Bizup. Was it Bizup? Uh, Bizup or Bizup? Bizup? Yeah, yeah. Bobby Bizup, where it was, he's he turned around for ten seconds, he was gone, and then they later assumed that he was being like sexually assaulted by the camp counselors, and it like became pretty obvious that they probably killed him. Well, they so, found his skull. Yeah, they found yeah. his skull then, but they didn't link it with the camp counselors until later because there were other child abuses that were uh, uncovered. So, yeah. I think, we, and we kind of called that one yeah. and when, we, when we did the show before we learned that new stuff. So I look at it as like, I don't want to blame him right away, but if he's like a sociopath, they, he can lie with conviction. Yeah. So I look at it as like, you're the only person who went up there. That's why I was very surprised when like, he's definitely just a witness. And I'm like, well, yeah. that's usually the last person saw him alive and the person that was with him in the wilderness becomes a suspect like automatically. Like, right. You got to kind of prove that you weren't connected. Cause that's a pretty crazy story. And that just seems like kind of a far fetched, uh, 
I was just looking up cave systems going along with the, oh, yeah. like, is there a major cave network up there? And it's actually very minimal in like the Montana area yeah, compared to like the Midwest yeah, or look at, Florida, look at Wisconsin. Yeah. So I was like, did she like step off somewhere and fall down this little, I don't know. All yeah. Right, keep going. Um, so, you know, one of their other questions they had was, were the two other males that saw them involved some way and they, from everything I read, never were able to you know, find them or talk to them. And that is a big hole in the investigation. Like, they probably really, really wanted to talk to those two guys, like, to see, like, what was Barbara's condition when you saw her on the top of the mountain? Did she seem distressed? Was she... Now, just to recap, when they were coming back down, was she ahead or behind? When he was at... Because they said they were kind of separated. Her and Jim? Yeah. She was, like, 20 or 30 feet... Um, Ahead of him. Ahead of him. Down a little further down the trail. Okay, so he would coming up to where she was. Yeah. Okay. On the way back down. And where did they see where did they see those two guys? So the construction crew saw them down on the road heading up there earlier in the morning. And Jim and Barbara were hitting the top of the mountain when the two guys were already up there. So they would have run into each other. Did Jim mention that he saw them? Yeah, he relayed yeah. so he was the one that told investigators that they ran into the two guys at the top of the mountain with their dog. So and the two guys were up there. I'm just recapping yep. for myself and for the listeners. So the, they were all up there together at the Overlook. Yeah. And then Jim and Barbara left to go Jim down. Jim and Barbara stayed, and the two other guys left. Uh, okay. Yeah. And did he make a mention in that when he came out, if their car was gone? No. Or there was no mention in it at all, just, hey, that we ran into him? And yeah. They I, left I mean, ahead? Yeah, there was a lot of things left to be answered okay um but i don't know Can you kind of get what i'm starting yeah. to set up here yeah okay that's that's why i want to get more information like okay if he was behind were they behind him so they were ahead of the group so she if they were on the trail quote unquote waiting yeah she would have ran into them first but by like 20 feet yeah and on this very noisy shale rock yeah okay yeah and i mean 20 okay. feet's not that's nothing yeah okay keep going and, and they stayed up there for like 30 minutes so theoretically the guys were already well down the mountain. Almost halfway back. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, well, actually going down, they may have been three quarters. Like going downhill is like the easiest part. So yeah, it's uphill one way. It's down. They would have been able to like double time it. Yeah. And they were, I mean, young, you know, described as young fit guys. They probably got down the mountain pretty quick. Yeah. they In a half hour, they might've been out to their car already. Maybe. So um, before I get into maybe what I think. I have a comment here from someone who live lives in the area or lived in the area, and they kind of talk about this overall area and why they think it's uh, just a strange disappearance. Uh, so this person goes on to say, I have lived in the Victor uh, Stevensville area twice, and my wife grew up there. The first place she took me uh, in the route was the Bear Creek Overlook. That's a place that the locals go to hike. Out-of-town folks hike the uh, Bloggett Creek or the St. Mary's Peak. I also don't see how anyone, especially someone familiar with the area, could get lost there. The train is very steep, and all the drainages into the main valley run due east-west. That, coupled with the relatively thin vegetation, just makes getting lost unlikely. The train is very steep and cliffy. So a fall would not be outside the realm of possibility, but I don't see how Law enforcement or SAR officials wouldn't have found someone's remains lying on top of all that bare rock at the base of the cliffs. Throw in the fact that dogs smelled nothing, and it seems possible that she never made it to the trailhead. 
the two hikers were probably college students or locals who just did, don't want to get involved with law enforcement. There's also a lot of that kind of mentality in the area. People can be very distrustful of the authorities in the in that neck of the woods. My guess would be that the husband, cousin, husband, cousin, and friend were all involved, and her remains are probably on the east side of the valley. Just a guess, though. So this person who lives in the area thinks that all of the family members are involved in her disappearance. That's like projection. I feel like <laughs> yeah. he's done this before. He's right. like, oh, it's probably this because yeah. that's what people do around here. Um, so that, that kind of just gives you a local's perspective on what they – uh, you know, think of the area. So um, a couple other possibilities that I gleaned from various people off the, uh, the wild internet. Um, one person thought that maybe she, uh, she had to go to the bathroom and didn't want to, you know, didn't want to say anything to Jim. So she snuck away for a couple of minutes to go behind a bush uh, that wasn't real close. And maybe uh, she got what they call, turned around in the forest and did not know which way she came from and walked in the wrong direction. Um, and in that process, she, uh, you know, got completely lost and fell. I kind of find that theory. If she's experienced in the area, um, I don't see how that would happen. And um, I kind of agree with both of you. Yeah. <laughs> like so far, that's the most plausible thing that happened. But I also agree with you that she's not like a city slicker that's never done this before. So like, the odds of that happening are super low, but yeah, so far I'm thinking about is either okay. Keep going. I'll, so I'm, I'm thinking I'll, I'll wait. Uh, another another theory was that she just she wanted to be wanted to go missing and just walked off. Her husband had recently just had a heart attack, and there's no indication that they were unhappy. Um, he's a you know retired U- U.S. Air Force colonel. And he he managed um, a business that provided security for banks, so they seemed financially pretty well off. And um, there was no, like I said, no indication of that, no indication that she was suicidal. Um, so I mean, that's a theory. One interesting theory someone proposed, which kind of made me think a little, was: uh, Did Jim try to make a sexual advance on Barbara? when she refused, he killed her. So, like, they went on to say, I didn't put all the detail from this theory, but they went on to say that maybe he, you know, guys, when they, you know, think, you know, think a woman's in love with them or, you know, have feelings for a woman, will do crazy things. Yeah. And maybe he misconstrued, hey, let's go to the Overlook as, like, more Uh, than it was. Okay. And so maybe, like... Like, he looked at it as, like, a window or an opportunity to, like... Yeah. Okay. And maybe on the drive up there or somewhere along the trail, he tried to make an advance and she kind of was like, no, get out of here. And mm-hmm. it, you know, pushed him over the edge and he killed her and then disposed. It, in that theory, he would probably have to do it before getting to the trailhead because that construction crew was down there. He would have to go through the construction site to get to his car. Yeah. But I mean, that theory kind of makes a little sense to me. I mean, there obviously, I don't have any indication that. I wonder if he only mentioned the two guys in the trail after it was told to him that construction people have, or if he willingly gave up that information. I mean, that would make a big difference if he didn't mention it. And they're like, oh, the construction guys saw these things. Oh, yeah, we saw them at the top, too. Yeah. It's like, how come you didn't remember that? I don't know the yeah, order like, of which. Yeah. 
Um, I don't have any doubt that the construction crew is telling the truth. Why would they? Ha- they have no reason to lie. I mean, they were just putting a culvert in the road. Yeah. Um, and that's a good point. Maybe he didn't know about the two guys. Um, or maybe those two guys never went to the overlook and he just said they were there. Yeah. I mean, we got to assume he's innocent because the investigators, ah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. What do you think happened? Oh, jeez. I don't think it was animal attack. They would have. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it was animal based on like looking at that area. It's, there's no water in the area. Like yeah. it's very high up. Like there's, there really isn't a, a reason why a lot of animals would be there. I That's my guy. I could be wrong, but yeah. I'm just being in hiking in different spots. Whenever you're in areas like that, it's pretty devoid of of anything but like birds and small animals. Yeah, I don't think it was a fall. And she had her gun. And she had a gun. I don't think it was a fall because, like the one person who lived there said, um, anywhere around this trail, if she fell, would probably have been spotted by search and rescue officials. Yeah, I mean, I, there's always a chance that they don't. They're not going to find you, but. Um, Joe zooming into the trail on. Oh, I got to share, but yeah, I'm just. It's there's not. Look at this. Like it's not aggressive anywhere. Where you're no, like, if you're she gonna, maybe fell in that little but valley like, right this there. This is the would, road. Oh, that's the road. Yeah, the trail went like here. Okay, like from here. So like this is the street. Yeah. She and yeah, like she would have gone a distance greater than probably the length of the trail to get to a, any meaningful cliff. Like now this. on the other side. There is some pretty rough terrain. I mean, on the you, overlook, but they said they're on their way down. This yeah. is the overlook. So, like, you could fall off the overlook. But they would find you. Yeah. Uh, may, uh, maybe not, but... I mean, the vegetation's very sparse. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think... It's not like she'd go all the way to the bottom. It's not that steep. Yeah. It's definitely too steep. Like, you can't walk down this, but it's no. not like a sheer face where it's like... 400 feet straight down to a riverbed. No, it's like, it's. Yeah. Hike, okay. I, but yeah, on the sides of the trail going up to it, definitely not. Look at that. Yeah. That's flat. More yeah. Or less. So I, you know, I think you can rule out not 100%, but animal attack or uh, injury. And the fact that she went in July, um, I, there was no mention of bad weather or anything. So I think the weather was pretty good that day. Yeah. And there's enough trees and stuff it's like heat shouldn't play too big of an issue yeah and it, it, she would stay to the trails so if something happened like a heat stroke you would assume that law enforcement would find her pretty close to the trail yeah like you can see the trail through the trees in the yeah. satellite that's how sparse they are so, so yeah i mean i i think there's some kind of foul play before she got to the trailhead and she never actually made it to the mountain okay and that's why well, you can't say he made up the two guy witness thing. No, it's the, the construction, construction workers, workers, but it's almost like uh, without their statements, we have no clue yeah, if they actually were on the they're top like of the a mountain. key witness. They're the key witness. Yeah, to like verify if they're there. Like, because I even want to say, like, oh, what if he ran it and they killed them too? Yeah. Like, that just seems well, far fetched. Maybe he did. We don't have See, any that, record like, of that. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, did like the rea- like if the construction worker said they saw him go up. Yeah. Did he push her off the overlook and they walked up on it and he had to kill them? But they're young, fit guys. Like, could they not take? Could they both and with a dog? Yeah, and then See that that's that's too far fetched. Yeah. I don't think so like 
we have to assume these people really exist. They were seen by he corroborated what the construction worker said. Yeah, so two fit dudes, a dog with their car. Yeah, that went on the same trail, left before they did. If we're believing Jim now, yeah. And then they're on their way back. So like the only thing I'm saying, like okay, what if like they waited ahead until Barbara came back and they kidnapped her, but 20 feet and with the shale rock, you'd hear that commotion or... And they'd have to go through that construction site to get to their car. Yeah, with a with, lady. With a lady that they just kidnapped and the construction workers are in on it now. Like, they would have stopped it. Or like... Or are the construction this is workers... Where I would love to know if Jim <laughs> said, like, he saw that truck on the way out. Yeah, that because I Because if know. they got her and, like, went off trail and did unspeakable things that would be terrible. Like I like think about that. Like if they were up ahead and she was really a little bit farther than Jim's remembering, let's assume that like memory again can be a tricky thing. And measuring distance on an uneven trail. Yes. 20 feet could be 50 feet. Yeah. But it's enough where they snatched her and pulled her off trail. And he only looked around for 15 minutes and went down like, I'm leaning, as a plausible thing, I'm leaning like those two guys were not good guys yeah. and potentially abducted her, and she wasn't as close to Jim as he, as he had stated. Maybe. I mean, he would have made, wouldn't he have heard her scream or something? Or I mean, it's, <laughs> let's go crazy. Like, they hit her over the head, knock her out, yeah. and drag her off trail and, like, hide under some thicket. I don't know. I don't know. But, like, why? Yeah, why? It's so like there's, it's not even a plot. I'm just thinking of like the most plausible of all the things not being. And she's plausible. armed, so you know, yeah, they would have to like surprise her. Yeah, and in a not a very thickly, you know, vegetation area. Yeah, it's not like they can just disappear right off trail. You'd have to like go somewhere. That's why I think something happened to her before she got to the mountain. And you think Jim's involved? I mean, I think Jim has to be involved. I. Uh, outside of my theory, which I think is crazy, yeah, I would have to agree with you because, and you know, just because dogs didn't pick up a scent doesn't mean that much. We we've learned over the years that um, it's not always a surefire thing that you know search dogs will pick a scent up, especially if a search area has been like stomped around and you know by a bunch of searchers already. Yeah, but to that point, though, there's no rain and stuff. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing that we learn is, like, water kills, like, because it's shedded skin cells. Is the, I forgot who we talked to, that yeah. guy who's an expert on it. And it's the shed skin cells. And they said that's the biggest issue is if it gets washed away. Yeah. Well, we don't know the, the experience of the search and rescue dog teams either. There's a lot of factors. Yeah. I don't think dogs getting no scent is... It it's puzz. I mean, it makes the theory that she didn't get to the mountain more plausible. I'm starting to lean way more that way, actually. Yeah, because when you think about it, the only witness to her ever going there is Jim. Yeah, like the construction workers weren't on the site yet. Yeah, and what kind of makes the story seem more like everyone was involved is like there's construction workers there, and then there's other two guys, and they're, the construction workers saw those guys, and Jim saw those guys. It's kind of like all these things happening, but the reality is no one ever saw Jim arrive. To go Hollywood, and very crazy, did Jim hire the two guys to kill Barbara? I don't think he even needs to do that. No. <laughs> yeah, like... We're like, just going off the deep end here because this is so such a puzzling Well, you are, like, going to push that thing. Like, the deep end. Fetch. I didn't even... It's so fetch. It's so fetch. Uh... <laughs> I yeah well, I, cool. we should add that to our repertoire. 
We'll have our normal theories, then our off the deep end theory. Off the deep end Every theories. time. This is a new thing you did, Mike. Good job. Okay, good. It's a new thing we're doing. We're going to um, do the off. So you got to, let's go off the deep end at the end. Okay. The last, the last theory will we'll be like. add it to the show notes. Yeah. It'll literally be a thing we do. They'll like involve like conspiracy, UFO, like as crazy as like. Off cool. the deep end. I yes. like it. We'll call it off the deep end. Uh, so yeah, off the deep end. He. We're, we're there already because we're all out. I, I don't know. I mean, this is the same. <laughs> I think we might be. Yeah. I, I think a plausible. I'm with you. I think he, Jim, did something either on the way there or there. Yeah. I mean, he could have done it there and dumped the body. Yeah, because the construction workers weren't at the site yet when they arrived. Yeah, so no one no one is able to verify that they both arrived for real yeah. except for Jim. Yeah. And he's not a witness and or he's know, not a suspect. All we know is that she left the, their house at 8.30 or 9 in the morning and Carl saw her leave. That's it. And she was with Jim. And I that theory about him making an advance on her kind of is growing on me a little bit. Yeah, I don't want to slander his name or anything, but <laughs> I mean, we are we are the good ship has sailed. But I mean, it's very suspicious if you're the only person that saw somebody that mysteriously vanished like this. Yeah, I feel like that's right. That's where I was questioning. Like, I feel like they let him off a little too easy. Like. Sorry if he's innocent, but like if you're the only person, yeah. guess what? You're gonna get your ass questioned. Yeah, pretty hardcore because that doesn't add up. No, the, the whole I looked away for forty seconds, forty five seconds, and she's gone. Like, yeah, that which okay, let's flip it over again. <laughs> what a terrible story to make up yeah. if you're not guilt. If you're guilty, that's of what's something. puzzling about this. Yeah, because if he was really guilty, he'd probably have a better story. Like she decided to go down like, unless it early was, and I wanted to stay and it was like a half hour. Unless it was a crime of passion. And but he even, didn't have time to come up with a but reality a story. Like it's a real simple story. Like if you're gonna say she was ahead of you, make it bit more than twenty feet. Yeah. If you're guilty. Like I feel like even like someone in the throes of that passion that just did something terrible and maybe he's going crazy will be like, uh, she, like she left earlier than me. I don't know. It was a while. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why wouldn't you say like, Oh, she, uh, she left the trail to go to the bathroom and I never saw her again. See that. That's where I'm trying to think of like, he's not guilty because he'd come up with a way better story yeah, or that, he's that dumb or I don't know, but, but I feel like he'd come up with a way if better that story. story is true. Then what the hell happened to her? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. I wonder if he's misrepresenting the actual time and distance. Yeah. If, like, because he's, okay, like he, this realm, he's not guilty. He's probably feeling like crap. Yeah. It's his friend's wife. He's supposed to be, like, the guy in charge. Like, like okay, I don't want to sound misogynistic, but, like, a lot of guys feel that way. Like, if you're with a woman, you want to yeah. protect her. Like, she had the gun. She could probably protect him. Yeah. But just as a guy instinct. So he's got to go back to his friend and be like, I lost your wife. I lost your wife. I can't find her. She might yeah. be dead. Like, and how then tell that awful. story. Yeah, like, and have I looked away for forty five seconds. Exactly. And she's gone. Like, like what? <laughs> so that's where it could have been. Like, I only looked away for a second. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know how people like say it, but it could have been like a minute and a half or two minutes. So like, was it like five minutes? Or he's maybe he went to the bathroom or whatever. Yeah. It's like, hey, she went ahead. I was just doing something for forty seconds, thirty seconds, forty seconds, and she was. It was only twenty feet, and she was gone. Was it actually one hundred fifty feet in five minutes? Yeah. No, and that could make the difference of, you know, if those two guys abducted her. Yeah. Uh, if it's five minutes, 150 feet, maybe he wouldn't hear a commotion. Would He wouldn't hear that type of thing. And they're running off trail, and he doesn't know. And it was five minutes is a long time to move into another spot and hunker yeah. down. Yeah. The only thing is, based on all of the descriptions 
from the construction workers, neither of the guys seemed like the kind that would, um, you know, abduct her or kill her or anything. So they, they interacted with them. Yeah, they and, said that the two yeah. guys walked through the construction site and, like, chatted with them. Like, okay. I think if you're, like, two serial killers, you're probably not going to, like, stop and talk to a bunch of construction well, if workers. if you're a serial killer, you typically aren't with somebody. They're like the profile of them, like yeah. by themselves. They're antisocial. Like they, there's a lot of things that you're not. You're not gonna have your dog and your buddy with you. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think the two guys. I think it's unfortunate that they have never come forward to tell yeah, what I feel, happened. I feel like it's like key witness stuff. Like maybe they're us. maybe they're listening and they could they could give us the exclusive. Yeah. If you hiked uh, the uh, Beaver Creek Trail, Bear Creek. Bear Creek Trail Overlook, or Overlook Trailhead. On it, July 18th of 2007. Yeah, and there was a marathon in the area of Montana in the Bitterroot Mountains, uh, and you randomly listening to the show, please call that number. <laughs> you can do the Wisconsin accents and give us all the details of the what they were never able to find. So, yeah, to wrap wrap this one up. Off uh, the, do your off the deep end. Oh, yeah, off the deep end. Um I think he hired the two guys to kill her and take her body away. What's the motive? Why? Uh, she, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. I think it more likely is a, a crime of passion. He had feelings for her and made an advance on her. She rebuffed it, and he got like into a fit of rage and like for a split second lost it and killed her. And okay. she... She didn't have time to, you know, use her firearm because she wasn't expecting that from a family friend. And this happened before they got to the to the trailhead. So he did something with her body bef- and then ended up going to the trailhead anyways to cover up what happened. He went up the mountain, came back down, acted like... Like followed the protocol of what they were yeah, going to do. Yeah, like went up there, whatever, and then came down, talked to construction workers to kind of try to cover up what happened. Okay. Because it literally... His description of what happened makes zero sense. No one, no one outside of the, all the paranormal theories disappears that quickly on a well-groomed trail. Yeah, that quick. The other, the closest one besides the Bobby buys up, which we found out was not legit. Yeah, was um, the dude on the mountain where, but it was like a half hour, and he went to another campsite. Remember yeah, like turn the corner, but that was a long amount of time. Yeah, so um, I think. See, even my most plausible one is his timing was off. The disappearance is still completely unexplainable. Yeah. I feel like uh, off the deep end, his timing was off, and she was abducted by those two people. Yeah. I mean, that's my off the deep end because I don't think that's what really happened. I think. And that's why they never came forward. Or maybe the off the, the off the deep end was rock people, and she's absorbed <laughs> in the mountain. Um, or the construction guys were in on it, too. Yeah. They're all in on it. Yeah. <laughs> They're all in on it, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I. We say this every episode. No, nah, I feel like in some episodes we're like, hey, I bet it was this. It like, could have been something, but this literally. Yeah, it's because the guy was there. Yeah. And he, like, does seem like, like suspect number one, and he also doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you tell me a story. Two people go into a remote area. One comes out, the other one doesn't. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, they killed him." That's immediately what I thought. That's I'm like, he's not a suspect. Of. I'm like, "Are they a terrible police?" But department? then when you hear his story, you're like, "If you killed somebody and you're trying to cover this up, that's the last story you would use because it sounds it's a terrible, it's a terrible. It sounds so crazy. Yeah, it's, it's 
It's it a sounds terrible so crazy. alibi. It has to be true. Yeah, it's a terrible <laughs> alibi. So part of me really thinks that, or he's that smart, and he's like, if I tell him this story, they'll know it's not me. Because what a dumb story to tell. Maybe, people. I mean, yeah. Now we're like layers and layers. This and is layers. off the off the off the deep end. <laughs> I had a UFO picked her up. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. All right, I think uh, we need our listeners to go on Facebook, message us what you think happened. Yeah. Uh, but thanks again for tuning into our show. We appreciate all of you for listening and sharing locations and knowing with your friends and family. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And thank you to our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Yes, thank you, Athletic Greens, for the sponsorship. Uh, it does well. They'll keep sponsoring us. They'll help us get further so and further. So everyone get out there and buy you some AG1. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we got to keep doing more shows. If they are a sponsor of ours, they're going to want us to do more shows yes. faster. So not that we don't want to, but <laughs> if we have a little bit of that financial motivation, might yeah. we move a little bit. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel. So if you don't want to subscribe to Patreon, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. And you can also support our show by buying the sweet swag we showed earlier going on our Facebook store or on our website. Otherwise, you can donate to our Patreon where you get a bunch of extra episodes like our listener call-in episodes and other awesome things. Um, we also... I hit the wrong button on there. That's why I'm like, what's playing the wrong music? Uh, outside of that, yeah, just remember when you're enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, or simply taking a walk, to always remember... To leave no trace. Thanks, and we will see you all next time.